From across the pond, this is Off the Record with Big C. And this is Big C. Thank you very much, Shaggy, as per usual. And thank you for the 93rd time, because this is episode 93 of Off the Record. I had two guests in front of me today, if you're watching on Facebook Live. We have the inimitable, the silver fox of Stinky Pete, who's on the screen, <laughs> lonely, <laughs> sticking his finger up for those not watching on Facebook Live. Um, hello, Pete. Welcome back, of course. Nice to be back, as from usual. Edelsburg, from Edelsburg from in Buck and Beds, wherever it is. Buck and Beds. Bucks and Beds. And um, on screen also, you may see a third guest. And this is the one and only brother. One and only brother is the one and only brother, isn't it? I am the one and only. The one and only brother. It's Jazzy. Well, I'm calling him Jazzy anyway. It's Jazzy Jeff. Um, so here he is on screen from where? Now, remind everyone where we are. Uh, I'm in Buckhurst Hill. You're in Buckhurst Hill, which is where the three of us attended grammar school in the well, late 60s and 70s, I guess, between the three of us, was it? Yeah. Yep. So yeah, I'm the you're the you're the youngster of the of the trio <laughs> today. <laughs> and there's not a lot of times you can say that, is there? Let's be honest. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not a lot of time. I, I can say I'm not the oldest, actually. But every week I'm not the oldest when you're on, Pete. So yeah, well, thank you very we're, much. Yeah. We're all good. Um, so, so much better. Yeah, the subject matter this week we are doing. Um, we we talk all sorts of rubbish on the show, don't we? Really, you know, we 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 chew the fat on various bits of musical. And music musical topics i should say um one of the things we do is we talk about different genres uh maybe different uh, musicians and, and what they do and what they play we've done a lead singers one um we've done a lead guitarist one i'm not sure whether i did both of those fully with pete or whether they were with with slim nick or i, I did the lead sing oh. i did the lead singers men and women but i only did half of the lead guitarists that's what it was then. I knew there was something. We haven't done it all. Um, we're going to do drummers. Uh, hopefully when Wyatt is available, maybe in a few weeks, Wyatt Wendell's from um, uh, the uh, Black Spiders, is it, the band? Yes, and Planet Rock. Amongst other things, and Planet Rock. Um, so that'll be in a few weeks' time. But the, the subject we're talking about today is bass guitarists, or bassists, I suppose, technically, as I'm sure at least... One of us is going to have maybe a maybe a double bass player in there rather than a bass guitar. Um, now, Jeff, we've invited Jeff on because he is an absolute whiz. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I take that back. He, he's actually held a, a bass guitar, so I thought this is this is uh, this is a, a good a good idea to get Jeff on. In fact, you might even see it behind him somewhere in the background. Um, so he might be able to give us some a bit more of a professional input than myself or Stinky Pete might give. So how long have you been playing a bass guitar then? I mean, you play on and off or you? Uh, no, I've been playing for about the last 12, 14 years. Oh, okay. Um, 15 years. About 15 since you, years. Since you're a wee lad I, then. <laughs> I played the guitar since I was 
seventh. All right. Um, and then took up the bass when I couldn't realise that I was absolutely useless on the guitar. Fair enough. And there are fewer strings on a bass guitar as well, maybe. It's two less. It makes yeah, it so two. much easier. Yes. And a lot less frets. I mean, it, it uh, works at yeah, every it's level. It's got the same amount of frets. Oh, was it? Mine has. Really? Oh, okay. Yeah, I Unless thought, I thought bass guitars are normally longer. Yeah, I thought the fretboard's a bit longer than a bass guitar, but it's then again. Longer. It's longer. Ah, but the same number of frets. Ah. Well, yep. Well, don't fret anyway. We don't want, we don't want any fretting. Um, mm. Bass guitarists. Okay. Now, I, I'll give my two penneth in at the start. I mean, I try and, as usual, I try to, I, I find it difficult to differentiate between the the acts or musicians that are particularly proficient, if you like, or really good, arguably, from the ones that I just like. I mean, the bass guitarists, the ones that I like in art in bands that I like, uh, and I just like to hear them play. So, I mean, I don't necessarily, in other words, get off on technical brilliance per se, um, unless it, uh, I don't know, enhances the sound without dominating it, if you see what I mean. Uh, but generally, I just like I like a good a good song, and if it's got a good bass guitar in it, it's good as well. Um, now, tell me if I'm wrong. I might be generalising, but the bass guitarist generally, I find, is sort of almost forgotten, forgotten man, maybe um, I think overlooked, I think I could... overlooked. Uh -huh. So one of the guys I will speak about a little bit later when we get the chance said yep. once that normally the bassist is known as the comedian. Um oh, right. the rest of the musicians and he's the comedian, she's the comedian. Um yep. but actually he quoted himself saying, actually, I'm a musician. Um that's what makes me stand out uh differently to a lot of the other guys. Uh, my opinion, yep, being a bass player, is that actually take the bass out of songs and you lose nine tenths of the song. Okay. Okay. Because without it, you have very little rhythm and very little groove. And that's mm -hmm. what the bass is there for. It can give it color, it can lift it, it can quieten it. But what it's there is to give the song the feel that it wants. So your guitarist can go off and do what he likes, your mm -hmm. singer can sing what he likes, your drummer keeps your beat, that's fine. Mm -hmm. uh, they do more than that. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah, uh, but actually, the the bass guitarist maintains the feel and the groove of the song, gives it some funk. And if they don't, then they're not doing it properly. Okay, which is why one of Pete's choices I'm gonna I'm gonna argue with. All right, you obviously know already what Pete's gonna. Well, I don't know, but no, I know no, no. Pete, I know Pete a rough to idea to know what he's gonna put in. I mean, I've got a rough idea, but I was going to, what I was going to say to you is that if the Joe public, we're talking about Joe public walking down the street, we're talking about the bass guitarists. Are they the ones that generally, generally will be maybe the quieter ones? They might be funny, but are they the quieter ones at the side of the stage? They don't really get all the attention like the lead singer does, like the, um, like the lead guitarist does, you know, plays all the licks, doesn't do all the fancy licks that he's rightly acclaimed for. Even the rhythm guitarist sometimes will, because he'll play all the recognizable riffs that everyone knows, and he gets a lot of attention. Or she, we're not saying all he's, he or she gets the attention as well. And of course, the drummers, uh, as Pete would say, are as mad as a box, a box of frogs, anyway. Is that, is that your term? So they are all. Drum, so they, they get a lot of attention as well. But the bass guitarist, I don't know. Um, 
but as they, you they tend to wander into the background and, and not yeah. be seen. But but if they can't be heard, you would you will find a very different song. No, I okay, I do like a bit of uh, a little a, a bit of bass to a song. It must be said when I'm listening to them. Um, even though I don't necessarily know who they are a lot of the time, this is the problem. This is the problem. Um, so, what's so, your view on that, then, Pete? Well, I, okay, I've taken I've taken a view. Obviously, at the end, I've chosen the the bass guitarists I like, um, and but I like them for different reasons. So, some of them I like because I like the technicality. Some are like because I just think they add to the to, to the band and the band sound. But I did do a bit of I did do quite a lot of reading around this, and there's loads and loads of lists of the top fifty, the top twenty five, the top fifteen, the top hundred bassists of all time, etc. And I have to say that when I looked at those lists, half of them I had never heard of, no idea who they are, don't know who they play with. But six names appear on every single list that's a good start then literally every single list i looked at okay and of that list i know that he's going to choose at least one of them if probably two um and you may well choose one um so i've got uh i on my list i've got three of the six and i would have chosen them anyway but what was really interesting was and i i, I kind of read some stuff from Bass Guitar Magazine and The Bass Guitarist or whatever these, you know, magazines are for people to play the bass. And this quote came out, and this was from the editor of one of these magazines, and he said, and I quote, the best bassists are the ones who carve out signature sounds and play as many memorable licks as the guitarists do. That was the editor of whatever base magazine and then i've also and this is purely arbitrary but my perspective i've looked at them in three categories so i've looked at innovators so people who started to do things with a base that no one else had done before or kind of created a genre um i've looked at virtuoso bassists which are basically the lead bassists um, and then I've looked at what I've called the anchormen, and they're the ones who provide exactly what Jeff said, that, that the underpinning to the whole song, and I've got quite a few of those. So yeah, that was how I looked at it, and, you know, I may be wrong, but I figured that that was, was going to start. I disagree. Is that, is, that, is that allowed, Carl? Do what you like. You can certainly. I, it's, it's paramount. It's actually essential to disagree with people. With, I don't agree with the editor of Bice Magazine. Um, only, only because okay. I think that's what I would call the fatal line. I think there is a fatal line that bass players walk, and one side of it they're a bass player, bassist, and the other side of it they want to be something else. They just happen to be doing it on the bass. Well, and and that's what he's and, saying. And, and and but I think that I think you walk that line on the guitar as well. Yeah, you do. I, I think the likes of Steve Vai and, and, and Satriani or whatever, I, I, they don't. They just happen to be using the guitar for the, for their musical purposes. That, and I think that's the same with bass players. Yeah, I agree. If you want to be a lead guitarist, go be a lead guitarist. You don't have to do that on a bass. Is my opinion. unless you're playing in a band which doesn't have a lead guitarist. Well, okay. Of which I have several. Anyway. <laughs> Okay. 
Are we uh, talking Avet Brothers here? What? Are we talking Avet Brothers here? Isn't there just a, a bass and drum? Uh, no. You, know, no that, well, you mean from uh, Royal Blood? I don't know. Avet yeah, Brothers, Brian, that's going back a bit, isn't it? No, aren't they? I don't know. I'm oh, not maybe not. Oh, no, no. I mean, I don't know. It's a, it's a vet brothers sounds sure like one of the vet brothers. There's a, 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 a they know, that might not be what they're called. So, anyone listening knows what they're talking about. That's me found out, isn't it? No, no. A vet. I'm thinking of the vet brothers. I don't know. I, I'm imagining some sort of country folk duo. No, there's from a like pair of brothers. I don't know where something. they come from. One from plays bass. One from plays a drum. And that's it. Okay. Yeah, oh, that's no. Royal Blood. They come from Brighton. All uh, right. Must be the band Royal Blood then. Yeah, Royal Blood. Well, Craig has uh, messages saying, um, morning, or evening, evening, morning? I'm getting on the radio show kick there. Uh, evening to Craig. He says he thinks the bass guitarist is the glue which makes a band and a song complete. Absolutely. I'm sure you, you would agree with that, Jeff, and you well, may... I would well. agree with that, Craig. I would agree with that. I would agree with that, too. And since Craig's old man played in a band, I think that's a pretty safe place to start. I, I would... I'm all, I always struggle with this. Like we're talking about magazines and you're looking at all these lists and people that have said these guitarists are the best ones. But these, as we know, a lot of these uh, critics can be wrong <laughs> and and are often <laughs> wrong. As we've talked about with the Rolling Stone, Stone Top 500. Rolling Stone list, yeah. maybe, yeah. <laughs> yes. uh, or, yeah, the, the, whether it's be the albums or the songs yes. of all time. But I it did, does that, very much depend on what you want out of your out of your audio experience. Uh, it, it does. Uh, and agreed. Yeah. If you want someone going absolutely berserk up and down a up and down a fretboard, be it a guitar, bass, or or violin, then that's fine. Well, that exactly. Um, um, but but if if you actually want a, a song a song put together properly uh, with a rhythm and a groove and a feel and a movement. Then, the, then there's no point having someone who wants to who wants to be a, a, a virtuoso. But you see, I don't agree with that because I think that depending on the type of music, if you have got an entire band of virtuosos, and some of the bands I've got here are, if you've got an entire band of virtuosos, then what's wrong with having a virtuoso bassist? You know, I, I don't think. I think with any of these things, and we had the same conversation with the lead guitarists and the vocalists and all the rest. Ultimately, it comes down to what you like, what that's works for you, um, and, and you know, and that, and that's basically the top and bottom of it. I think the interesting thing is, so why do you think that? You know, what what is it about it? And for me, when I, you know, when I, the, 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 I've chosen ten, and I've got three on my reserve list, which I'll chuck in at the end if they haven't already been mentioned. Um, and and for me, every single one of them brings something to the band in question which engages with me now other people might listen to it and say well that's a load of shite which is fine because it's it's personal opinion isn't it ultimately as it always is yeah agreed okay has anyone got well let's throw some names out then has anyone gone for like the double bass I've i've got well i mean there's a number of double basses but i've got one who who most of these whatevers will will certainly have in the top three, and a lot of them will have in the top one. Um, and he's those, on my and, he's and, on my list of six, possibly because and, and, he's in the six, and he's walking that fatal line the whole time, in my opinion. Uh, and that's Charlie Mingus. 
Okay. So Charlie Mingus, jazz jazz bassist, um, when he was asked once, I think, whether he was interested because he'd been voted number one, but he said, I don't care. He said, I know how good I am. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the Mingus uh, uh, band, um, he was he's just extraordinary. Like just an extraordinary, extraordinary jazz jazz bassist, um, musician, songwriter, band leader, um, classical, classically trained on the cello, um, but just had had something about the way he made it speak that just works. It just simply worked. And he's a big influence on a number of artists, I guess, as well, isn't absolutely. he? Absolutely, absolutely. Well, pretty well everybody on my list quotes Charlie Mingus at some point. Yeah. As an influence. Okay. I saw a quote from uh, Charles Mingus, actually. Um, You may well have read it yourself or know it. Creativity is more than just being different. Anybody can play weird. That's easy. What's hard to be as what's hard is to be as simple as bark. Making the simple, awesomely simple. That's creativity. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. A lot of what Mingus did is what he left out, um, where, where another basis would have put it in. Um, but it's all big, and and I think we have to accept the fact that the jazz side of life is is a slightly different world when mm. it comes to how they how they play. Which is why I say I think he walks right on that on that line. Um, but if you listen to to uh, the stuff, listen to Mingus and Mingus, it, which is just an astonishing album. Um, Sorry, which album's that? Mingus or Mangus. Oh, okay. Um, And he just, he just holds the whole thing together with playing a little bit of what you've classified Peter's lead bass, um, but without losing that groove. The the groove never stops. uh, Mm. And it's there and it's sweet and it's calm until it isn't. But then he brings it back to being, he's just a genius, absolute genius. He's, I mean, maybe that is his top album. I don't know the album I always think of. I mean, I'm not a a great uh, enthusiast of the jazz side, or don't know as much about the jazz side anyway. But was the um, Black Saint and Sinner Lady? Is it? Is that it? That was. No, that was '63. Yeah, that's the one I always see when you look at albums. Again, critics' albums, greatest albums of all time. That often is quoted as being one of them. Now, Charles Mingus isn't in my list because I, I don't know enough about him or the, uh, any, any of the records. But he's on your list then, Pete, yeah? No, no, I was, I was going to say that the other thing I was going to say in the introduction was that I've differentiated upright bass from bass guitar and I don't know enough about upright bass, so my list is all guitars. But having said that, one of my lists started on upright and moved to bass guitar because it's in the it's in the jazz and the jazz rock side, which several of mine are. I think so, a few of them did that, didn't they? They, yeah, they switched yeah, from they did. double bass they did. to. Uh... Yeah, they did. And the interesting thing is that they all have a common root. So they've all kind of they were involved with John Coltrane. They were involved with um, uh, um, Miles Davis. So yep. you've, you've got that kind of group, that coterie of, of of jazz musicians who all kind of played off of each other. And 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 Mingus was. You know, it was another one of that. Mingus was before, but but yeah, he's. If if you had to nail me to a mask and, and ask me to pick one, it probably would be Mingus. Probably, it might not, but it probably would be. 
Well, at least yeah. I've, heard of, I've heard of him anyway. I know that, I mean, Graham's given me a list actually of uh, 10 or so bass guitarists or bassists. And a couple of them I struggled. And I think this one would put, like Dave Holland was mentioned. He's in the same jazz fusion mold, I assume, with Charlie Mingus. You don't know him either. All right. Okay. Fair enough. Now, strangely, he was—he's on a lot of the lists, but I didn't include him because I know him. I, I, well, I got nothing. I, I know nothing about him. I know nothing about his music. I've chosen people where I've got multiple albums that they're on. That was, you know, he's a good songwriter though, wasn't he? With Dozier and his brother Holland. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> boom boom. Always a bit flat, Holland, though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's true. Very flat. Very good point. Big skies, um, lots of windmills, clogs. Well, we're talking double basses, and you're you're a skillful, proficient double bass player. There, we're talking Charlie Mingus. My one gets knocked out of the park because I'm looking cool. at my sound of music will be originally. I'm talking that I'm chronologically here. I'm talking about like the fifties and the rock and roll side. There's a couple that used to play the double bass: Buddy Holly's, uh, Joby Maudlin, yep. and of course Bill Black with Elvis, one of Pete's ultimate favourite yes. uh, artists. Um, Bill, Black was, Bill Black was a, was fabulous. Yeah, that's that that's my 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 first one on the list is Bill Black actually. Um, Interestingly, yeah, I've got on my list the guy that took over for Bill Black. Oh, really? Because I think I think he's better. Um, because I think he did more because he was further further down the line, if you like. Is he? He's Elvis's bass guitarist. He was. He was. It's a guy called Bob Moore. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, he's on the list as well. Elvis's uh, bass guitarist, but he was Patsy Cline's bass bass guitarist. He was part of what was called the A Team in Nashville, uh, and he was their go to after after Bill Black. Um, after Bill and Black. Like okay. Just brilliant. Because, and this goes back to what we were saying. What what makes a good anything? So as far as I'm concerned, so, uh, organisations like the A Team, we'll come on to others later. Mm. You you go into a studio and you play for whoever's there, mm. uh, and you've got to be so good to be able to do well, it. Well, that's that's why we had the conversations about Jimmy Page and um, 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 Neil Slofgren when we were talking about guitarists. Because exactly the same, literally could play anything and, and work to session musicians, and, and you've got to be able to just pick it up and go. Yeah, Jimmy Page, amazing that. You can go from, I don't know, Yardbirds, uh, Patsy, uh, not Patsy Klein, um, Petula Clark's downtown he played yeah, on, downtown he played on, amongst yeah. other things. Um, yeah, so Bill Black is mine. Uh, it, it, it's just a, that grew that sort of slap. Slapping the double bass. I suppose that any double basses, they don't all slap them, do they? they have different styles. You've got slap bass. He, he sort of does, doesn't he? With a, it goes with the, the movement. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's the one I had to have in there anyway. And my first Beatle reference of the night, of course, Bill Black Combo, which he went on to form, <laughs> um, opened. Uh, I said a record actually, record breaking. They opened for the Beatles in their '64 tour historic tour of the u.s after their appearance on the ed, ed sullivan show in 1964 uh, at the band's request actually um and the bill black's double bass stand-up bass is currently owned by mr james paul mccartney really yes he played, it. He, played it. 
He played it on the on the track Real Love when they did the anthology series in the mid nineties. He played the double bass on. So there you go. Well, That's my we, first. Colin, why don't we stay there and, and let this let you get this out of your system? Let, let's let's talk about Macca. All right. Okay. <laughs> As you we may have guessed, we might as well get it over with, might we, mate? McCartney would be my number one, hands down. But he is a very underrated bass player. I mean, he's always known as being a great songwriter. He's known as being a great singer. But his bass playing was good as well. He only took it up because Stuart Sutcliffe left the band. Um, well, can I can I just jump in at this point? I yes. didn't include McCartney on my list because I knew both of you would. Um, and I thought it would be very boring for the listeners if we all chose the same people. Um, but I think I, I read quite a lot about McCartney and he's according to kind of a lot of what I read, he's pretty well credited with creating what what they're calling the melodic bass. So in other words, basically being the melody underpinning everything else that's going on in the song. And that that's kind of how he's seen. I, I You know, I'm. I like McCartney. I like the Beatles. I'm not a massive fan, but I, I absolutely recognise his place. Right, I'll shut up now. You lot can get on with talking about McCartney for the next four. Freaking I've got him on my list. I would have him on my list. I would have him in my at the very top of my list. You know, like as you as you can get there. Um, yeah, because of exactly what Peter said. Like he, he, he that his songwriting was always the melodic stuff. Colin, you'll know more, more about this than me. Yeah, I agree. The songwriting was always the, I can't get. But once you've got Mulligan Toe in your head, you can't get it out. Okay, <laughs> like whether we like it or hate it, you can't shift it. Um, no. And he played the bass the same way. Uh, mm. So his bass was all very tuneful. Uh, it was all following, following all the right notes in all the right places at all the right times, um, and just gave a melody underneath. Uh, and and it made a huge difference. Huge difference. Yeah, I mean, I was gonna. I got a. Um, uh, Copy, uh, copy of I've got a recording anyway of the isolated bass from uh, George Harrison something I was going to play it on the radio actually one morning but I don't know just having the bass playing it and people wonder what the hell's this no I think you should go for it and play it's quite it's quite fascinating it's quite you know it's quite tricky go for it. some of the bits I think George Harrison got a bit pissed off with it though because um <laughs> It was it was a little bit frilly below him. Maybe he's trying to take the the lead on everything. But yeah, I mean, it, it's it's obviously Macca would be would be my number one, as you say, a sort of a playful melodic style that he had. Um, yeah, it's very uplifting. And owed much to perhaps one another guy that's on my list that. Until recently, I probably like a lot of bassists, like the list that we see. Who the hell are they? Is another one from one of those, uh, and from the Funk Brothers at Motown, and, and their bassist. And I think he was quite a big influence on McCartney. James Jameson. James Jameson. Yeah, I mean, he's not a, a sort of a that well known a name, is no, it? No, no one's ever heard of him. No, except, except that everybody in the know. All know knows that he was a, a, a star, a, 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 and yeah, and yeah, it's 60 a strange stat 60 top 15 pop hits, um, in the US, 23, I think it was 23 number one hits, maybe, uh, in the US. Um, reach out, I'll be there, and Bernadette by the four tops. I mean, my girl, the temptations that base at the start of that. Uh, I heard it through the grapevine. 
the Gladys Knight version, certainly, I, I presume he's on the Marvin Gaye version as well. I don't really know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you Can't Hurry Love. All these sort of recognisable sort of bass riffs, aren't they? Um, but he's a big influence on him. So I've got James Jameson. I'm just going to throw them anyway. So you, Pete's going to have to do some catching up here. So James Jameson, yeah, involved I'm, in... I'm thinking of just going to the bog and just letting you lot chat and I'll kind of come yeah. back <laughs> and I'll go and have a glass of wine. Well, again, Pete, again... Maybe watch some stuff on YouTube. You just give me a shout. Go on, chuck one in here, mate. Go on, stinky Pete. Go on. No, I'm certainly enjoying this. Go on. Go on. No, enjoy yourself. No, he's obviously upset, Jeff. Why would I be upset? No, you're not. Right. Okay, I jest. I jest. Yeah, he's, he's done the research. Come on, give us some of this research. What's, what is, what, if you had to pick a number one, are you going to give us that now? Or are you going to leave that to the end? Well, no, I haven't got a number one. I've got, I've got three, and then I've got the rest. So, I, you know, I, no, I don't have a number one. So okay. I'll throw it, give us I'll one that will be close to the top then. Of yeah, all right. I'll do the three that were close to the, close to the top. So yeah. right up there, close to the top, is a guy who had the nickname Spider, um, which came from the fact that he insisted on playing the bass as a lead guitar, um, a trait which was going to be very useful in um, coming years when he went into the band that he's famous for. Uh, but he played in a band called Pepper, and Pepper were the backing band for the Drifters, the Flirtations, Benny King, Gary U.S. Bonds, the Four Tops. So pretty, pretty good pedigree as a backing band with all of that lot. Um, and he went, uh, he then joined a band called the Nocturnes, who became the New Seekers. Um, and at some point during that period, um, he, um, they were, he met this woman who came to audition to join the Nocturnes and she didn't get the gig. And about a month later, he went to audition for a bass role and found out that she was in the same room because she had then taken a role in the band. The band is Renaissance, um, and the bass player is John Camp. And um, they they auditioned 80 bass guitarists for Renaissance, 8-0, um, all down in Miles Copeland's basement studio. Um, and when he walked in, they gave him the music to Prologue, which was their, their first album. Well, it wasn't their first album, it was the second album, it was the first big one. Um, and in fact, you played a track off Prologue this morning on the show. Um, yes. that, was, that was the one I uh, that was the one I asked for. Um, and what followed on from there was, you know, walking on stage to a standing ovation before they'd even played a note at Carnegie Hall. Same at the Royal Albert Hall. Same at Penn's Landing in Pennsylvania. They played the Greek in Los Angeles, um, and he was voted in the top five guitar bass guitarists in the world in the Melody Maker poll three years running. Um, if you want to listen to Virtuoso, I mean, if you listen to all of the Renaissance stuff that he's on from Prologue right the way through to As You Adore, um, he's just an astonishingly accomplished bass guitarist. And what I love about him is that he does all of the stuff that Jeff and I were talking about, so that, you know, underpinning what the band is about. But they don't have a lead guitarist. They have a lead piano, a lead bass, and he also plays acoustic guitar. So, they, so that, and so does someone else. So they basically acoustic lead, acoustic lead, bass and piano, plus vocals and drums and keyboards, um, you know, other keyboards. Um, but so and he's quite comfortable just playing the normal bass thing, underpinning the song, but then you listen to the bass solo 
on Ashes Are Burning, the live version from Carnegie Hall or the one from the British tour. It's just brilliant. The guy's an absolute virtuoso genius. Still playing. Um, after he left Renaissance, he had a, you know, they did a few other things, some other bands as well. Very much in that idiom, you know, real kind of prog slash classical style music but I couldn't he's always been a favorite of mine I saw them live I think twice um and he um he, you know he absolutely would be if he wasn't number one he's he's top three for me okay that track you mentioned the ashes are burning did you say ashes are burning is the, is the, that's the one is, that's the one you always talk about isn't it? That's, that's well, the it, best. because it's, it's just an absolutely magnificent piece of music I mean Annie Aslam's voice is great it's beautifully constructed it's a fantastic song and on the live version, his bass solo is just magnificent. So he, very easy pick for me. And he's still going. He is still going. Yep. Yeah. He's he's okay. not dead, unlike some of the others. He had, he's got the legs then. Well, he, had, no, he has definitely. Got him like spider. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's got eight of them. <laughs> anyway, John Camp. Yeah, I did mention John Camp uh, on the radio show this morning because I knew you'd be picking him. Um, okay. Well, do you want to do you want to give us another one? Then we can uh, talk about. All right, it. I'll, I'll give you another one of another a little one bit. Of my, another one of my top three. When I okay. spoke to my when I spoke to my better half, she of um, living in a war zone, um, who is also a bass guitarist and a very accomplished one and a session musician, I said to her, "Okay, is she on your list? Three. You are. Is she on your list? <laughs> well." No, I've written now. Actually, and I'm embarrassed now. I should have put her on the list, shouldn't I? No. Yeah, you should have um, so, so I said, no, I'm, I'm in big trouble now. I'm in deep, <laughs> deep dog do. Anyway, um, so, so I said to her, all right, you're a bassist. Name your top, name your top three. Um, and she gave me two names that, that I would have been on my list anyway, plus one who I'd never heard of, but who apparently is the bass guitarist of Halloween, which is not a band I'm familiar with. Um, so, um, this guy walked into the um into uh the room where there was one of the all-time stellar jazz musicians and announced himself by saying i'm the best bass guitarist in the world uh, and I, and I know, this. I know who it is and joe zavinal said yeah right um several years later <laughs> or several times later when he was playing with him. He said, yeah, he is the best bass guitarist in the world. And this is Jaco Pastorius. Mm -hmm. So, um, I mean, Jeff, you have got, um, I think, have you got Black Market and um, uh, Heavy Weather? No, I've just got Black Market. You've just got Black Market. Okay. So basically, he kind of... the. The peak of his the peak of his powers, and, and this morning on the show you played Teen Town, which is one of his tracks from um, uh, the first of the two Weather Report albums. Um, but he he was with Weather Report. He only basically played from 1975 to 1982, and then he was killed in a bar fight by a bouncer in Jacksonville, Florida. So he died. He was dead at the age of 35. Um, but his contribution to stuff that you know we all know and love so you know weather report he played with Pet, pat metheny band um he played with joni mitchell he, he was he was on he was the bassist on his era um and he, he kind of he played with um herbie hancock uh albert mangelsdorf michael colombier alda miola 
you know, what year, based... did you with... Pete, what year did you play with Pet Metheny? Um, well, it was it, it must have been pre weather report. Oh, no, no, it must have been post weather report because weather report was 70. He's out, his weather report albums were 75 and 76. So it must have been after that. And his year is 77, isn't it? I, I think, saw I can't remember. Live. But he also, I think it was really interesting. Um, he said, when he joined Weather Report, I think this is a quote, when he joined Weather Report, he thrilled audiences with his signature fretless sound and his cocky flair, forever banishing the notion that the bass was a background instrument. As flashy as he was, he was also a brilliant collaborator. And through that period, he played with Jimmy Cliff. Joni Mitchell said about him, quote, it was as if I dreamed him because I didn't give him any instrumentation. Basically, I could just kind of cut him loose, stand back and celebrate his choices. He played. That's, um, that's a really interesting quote because there's a very similar one about one of my picks. Um, not, oh, interesting. not the same person, but a very, very similar um, sort of way of, 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 of the place that he work with most. Describing yeah. him. Well, it's interesting because there's one other quote which I really liked about him. I mean, he, he cites his he, he cites his heroes, uh, Charlie Mingus, Paul Chambers, and James Brown's bassists. Right, which one? I mean, he didn't. He doesn't say. He just says you know the bass okay. the bass sound of of James Brown. But he also talks about contemporaries like Jerry Gemma, and he also he he cites McCartney and McCartney's melodicism as being a driver for his style but what, what I really like there's there's a, there's a really nice quote about him which says and I quote four decades after Jacko's death at the hands of a South Florida bouncer he's still the gold standard for expressiveness and intonation on a fretless bass jazz bass back pickup tone and 16th note stamina few can match his effortless blend of abundant technique and earthy groove so you know you can't you can't argue with it. Can't argue with it. I wonder what the, the James Brown base was that would that have been Bootsy Collins? Bootsy Collins, yeah. Well, I, I've got Bootsy Collins on my reserve list because um, I've, I've got Bootsy Collins on my reserve list as well. Right. Okay. okay. Cool. We can uh, we can mention him. Mention him. Uh, he went and, on to Parliament and Funkadelic and stuff. Didn't yes, he? that's right. He played yeah. on. Um, he played on. Um, there's, a, there's a great quote from George Clinton, um, who said. Uh, I can't remember it exactly, but it's something about the fact that, that he hit the he hit the number one so hard, oh, the first beat in the bar. Yeah. Even when we wanted to be pop, we were still funk. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great. That's a great yeah. quote. <laughs> and uh, Jacko Pastorius was Alex's number one. That was when I when I said to her, "Who'd you choose?" She said, "Pastorius, Head and Shoulders." So. Well, I've got another quote, which you may have read as well, but another Pastorius quote. Um, he said, I quote, a chimpanzee could learn to play what I do physically, but it goes way beyond that. When you play, you play life. Oh, blimey. That's a bit Ooh. deep. A bit serious. Potentious <laughs> or what? Yes. It's quite, it's quite <laughs> John Otway, deep and meaningless, I think. <laughs> deep and meaningless. Oh, my word, yeah. Um, all right. So is that you done for the time being, Pete? Yeah, we're oh, happy with that. You, you said, I mean, you said you could do two, so I've done Absolutely, two. yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I think, well, 
if the one that you were describing the same way or someone described the same way as Jack A. Pistorius, I take it it wasn't Sid Vicious, Jeff? It wasn't Sid Vicious, Jeff. No. Um, it, it, it was a guy called Chuck Rainey. Uh, oh, okay. he's, he's on my reserve list, Chuck Rainey. So Chuck Rainey is the um, is the bass player from Steely Dan, um, okay. and the bass player for Aretha Franklin for a lot of her stuff. Uh, but he's probably most well known because he's the bass player for Donald Fagan on his own. All right, so okay. all the stuff for, for the Nightfly, which let's make no doubt is the best album ever made. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the bass player. Sorry. <laughs> I was Other opinions welcome. Other um, opinions welcome. <laughs> Jeff and I, Jeff and I agree that um, that the Nightfly is right up there amongst the best albums of all time. I think we can definitely anyway. Agree. So, so, so he plays he plays the bass on on Nightfly and and the other stuff, and and he has these two things that he, that, that make him special. He uses the whole of the fretboard, which an awful lot of bass players don't. They're very comfortable in the middle, um, and every now and again they'll drop to the bottom, or they're very comfortable at the top. But what he will do without losing the groove, which is really to me vital, essential. He yeah. will use the whole of the of, of the fretboard, uh, a little bit here, a little bit there, back to where he was, back, to, you know, uh, seamlessly, um, which obviously is actually really difficult to do, depending on what sort of bass you play. On mine, it's almost impossible. Um, mm-hmm. But he also developed this thing called the tap technique, which is where you you put your hand on the on the top of the of the of the bass. You can only play it on the on the on the bottom string, and you literally you hit your hand against it, and when you hit your hand against it, your your main finger, your big finger, automatically goes down. You can't okay. you can't not do it. If you hit your hand there, it goes down. That's the finger that Pete was showing earlier on, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. I, I did that deliberately because I knew Jeff was going to talk about this later. Oh, yes. Nice. nice. And, and when you do it, nice. you get this beautiful, like, it's like a little slap, like a, a, a tap on, mm-hmm. on the bass string. Um, and, and you, you like, you, you finger up, carefully you say that, haven't you? Yes. You, you go up and down the fretboard with, with like, hammering on with your fingers. Um, right. And between the two of them, if you listen to, uh, a lot of the, the latest Celia Dan stuff, the Royal Scam that album, uh, particularly. Um, well, it's Royal Scam and Asia that these two albums and, and then the Nightfly. Sorry, Pete. Um, if you listen, you'll hear it all the way through, and you, and yeah. and it just gives you this really soft, but but in like like moving groove, uh, and he's just brilliant. That's it. Um, do you know why? Do you know why he did it? No. That okay. This is uh, this was something interesting I found out about him. He credits that style with the 16th note pulse of New York City drummers. That was the ingredient that set him apart from his peers in classic rhythm sections. So he learned it by listening to New York, because he's a New Yorker, and he moved to Los Angeles. And it's really interesting, because I read a lot about him, and I thought you might have him, and that's why I left him off my list. But he, his range is astounding because he does he does the jazz stuff with Eddie Harris and Quincy Jones. He, he, he played with Nils Lofgren and Dave Mason. And then he played with Roberta Flack and Aretha Franklin. He played with King Curtis. He played with Quincy. He played with Marvin Gaye. He played with the Jackson Five. I mean, his range he's got, is absolutely... He's got absolute... 10,000 albums to his name, I believe. 10,000? I believe. Brief. Wow. 
Well, but, but I mean, what it's was really interesting James last. Is, it's more than James last. Yeah, it's more than James last, yeah. And, 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 and Nana Mascuri. And, <laughs> <laughs> Nana Mascuri. <laughs> but the other, but the interesting thing is that he is, it, there's a quote which says, he was the reason that Steely Dan's Walker, Walter Becker moved to the guitar. Well, Becker started playing bass. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and when Rainey came on the scene, like, you know, but yeah, no, he went to play guitar because because they brought yeah. Rainey in. Yeah, because he was better. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. I always think Steely Dan is just really being two, two, be, two people, yeah? Well, it is. It was only ever two people, and they brought yeah. all the others. So all the other sessions. Baxter playing for them at one stage. They had... Um, uh, well, Skunk Baxter and Rainey. And um, it was... The, I can't remember what the name of the keyboard... Uh, the, yeah, the, I was going to say it was the other keyboard player. It'll come to me later. But, uh, yeah. But, yeah. But no, Chuck Rainey's absolutely was just brilliant. Doing. But now it's just the one. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's still going, though. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because the other interesting thing for me was that there seems to be this thing around Steely Dan because Steve Gadd, who is going to be up there at the top of any list of drummers, he also was involved with Steely Dan as well. And it, I think it's just they were so... I mean, they were, quote-unquote, rock, but they were rock and jazz, and, right. and they were so sophisticated in what they did that it appealed to those absolutely stellar musicians. It didn't matter what they were. If if you yeah. break down the Nightfly uh, musically, like if you played all the different tracks separately, oh, it's brilliant. You would go that that's ridiculous. Yeah, it's a work of absolutely art. Absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, it is brilliant. Great album. So there you go, Chuck Rainey. I throw. Okay. Shall I chuck another one in, Carl? Just for go fun? on then, go on. Okay, let's go at the exact opposite end of the spectrum. Okay, this guy is nowhere near one of the best place players in the world. No, okay? but you like it. Within his genre, I don't think you can get any better. Um, and he's without him in the band, the band would not have been a quarter of, of as good as they were. And within their genre, I don't think you can get very much better. Um, and on top of that, um, can I can I do a plug here? Is that allowed? Go on. On top of that, he now plays what's called a shuka bass. Okay, John Shuker is an English bass maker, based in the Peak District, who works along with a guitar maker called Tim Lever, um, who wrote for Dead and Alive, who wrote Spin Me Round. Really? And between them, they've got a, a little workshop in the Peak District, and Tim made that guitar just there. Okay. Um, but the bassist in question is Jean-Jacques Bonnell. From the okay, yeah. Oh, really? See, I haven't got him list. I I love a bit of punk and a bit of new wave. Well, it, it's because I because I'm that little bit younger than both you two. He said proudly. Um, <laughs> it's um, <laughs> there's that that, that tap bass again. Um, yeah, I'm just practicing. It, it obviously as I was coming through the end of my wonder years, it punk was there. No, oh, yeah. So I, I, you know, I I was in the middle of of A levels and whatever when punk was at its height. Yeah. Um, so the Stranglers were really important to me uh, as a as a as a band at that time, and and I think from a from a British perspective, I don't think there was a better punk band. If you can call them a punk band, they they went. If you uh, can call him British, was he British? He was British, was he? He was British, yeah. Yeah, Jean Jacques Brunel. He was a, a classically trained. Is it Burnwell? Classically no, trained. No, it's Burnell. 
Burnell, is that Burnell? Burnell. It's Burnell. Yeah, but isn't it spelled yeah. isn't it spelled B U N U E L or something? No, so B U R N E L. B U R N E L. Jean Jacques Burnell. Right. Okay. I mean, listen to the beginning of Peaches. Yeah. There's no doubt. Yeah. yeah. And it's just it's it's relentless. It's it's yeah. So I'm uh, uh, is he in the top hundred bases in the world? No, no. he isn't. But within the genre, I don't think there's anyone better. Okay, I'm glad. I'm glad that you've thrown in some that aren't uh, really proficient at the instrument. You just love to hear them play. And yeah, Peaches, Stranglers, and Jean Jacques Burnell. Okay, right. I've got another one. Then I'm going to throw one in. Um, not punk. I would say, well, it's rock certainly. The other two members of the band. I should give it away. Um, <laughs> probably got all the attention. We're talking the jam here, aren't we? No, we're not. We're talking Jack Bruce. Oh. Jack, all oh, right, okay. All right. Okay. I'd say Clapton and Baker probably got more attention than Jack Bruce did. Although what Jack Bruce did was was sort of make them that sort of power trio that we 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 all know them as. Um, with his it's pretty heavy bass lines weren't they and i mean things like sunshine you mentioned peaches actually that the opening with the i mean sunshine of your love yeah i mean it's it's not often that the bass is quite so prominent um i mean even an i feel free there's a lot of tumbling bass going on and they're behind the lead vocals um geezer butler i don't know whether anyone's had geezer butler on their list from sabbath um, said Jack Bruce opened his eyes to what a bass player could do live. Can I jump in here for for a, a, certainly, a, absolutely. That there is a there is a, a make of bass player, okay, of which you could argue that Jack Bruce is the best of them. I'm going to offer someone else in the same vein. Yep. But but there is there is a make of bass player that's that holds together a trio. Yep. Oh, I've got I've got one of them. So if if all you've got is drums, bass, and guitar, when the guitar's going off being an egotistical maniac, which is what always happens, mm-hmm. you have to have a bass player that can fill the holes and keep the groove. Because without it, you've just got an empty space. So yeah. there's there's a whole there's a plethora of them. Uh, Noel Redding, Hendrix's bass player. Yeah. Gary McAvoy, Rory Gallagher's bass player. Dusty Hill from ZZ Top. ZZ Top. I personally, and let's forget the fact they've got a lead singer that doesn't count. Personally, in that in that style of bass player, I would go for John Entwistle over Jack Bruce. Okay. Now, I've got John Entwistle down as well. Jack Bruce is brilliant. I've tried to look at different styles of, of, of music and whatever. John Entwistle, just superb. Um, like, like if you if you listen to what he does, yeah. But 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 Bruce is there in exactly the same way. They fill this space up that is left by the egotistical maniac at the front. They're both in. They're both in the top twenty in the top twenty rundowns on so nearly every so list. Yeah, Jack Bruce and John Entwistler. Nick, one of his thing... nicknames was was the quiet one. As we were talking about the quiet ones earlier on, Who one was? of his nicknames was the quiet one. John Jack Bruce. Entwistler. Oh no, John Entwistle. Yeah, John Entwistle, yeah. 
Well, I'm going to talk about John Entwistle. I haven't got him on my list because I knew I've you. I've got him on my list anyway, but John Entwistle. I, I knew you would, so I, I didn't include him, but I've got a, an interesting quote about him in the context of another bassist. So come to that later. So, so have I in the quote of another bassist. That's interesting. We'll see whether, whether they're the same one. Well, it but, won't be because the one I'm quoting isn't on the, isn't on your list. So. Okay. But anyway, yeah. Okay. But you don't know who's on my list. I just call it, I just let you know, we haven't each other. We haven't confirmed. No, no. I just, but I just we know who's on your list. We have lived with each other. I know you very well. He says that um, to me every week. <laughs> I didn't pick yes, them. But I'm I usually you, right. I knew you'd have Paul McCartney. <laughs> oh, well done. <laughs> well done, Pete. It, it's, um, I've got to say, that. <laughs> there, there, uh, there's a question here. There's a question that says, "Does is Jack Bruce was Jack Bruce as good a bass player because of Ginger Baker? Was John Enwistle as good a bass player because of Keith Moon, or was Keith Moon as good a drummer because of John Enwistle? Mm. Uh, and 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 Baker to to, to and actually, I, I wonder whether those guys who played together the whole time in that situation, whether whether take the wasn't Big Fleetwood a better drummer because of John McVie or vice versa? Now, and if you split them, how good would they be? Mm. If you took now, I'm, oh, John Entwistle went with Alan White or whatever his name was, who, who played after me. Um, mm. But 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 if you split the two away, are they are the are they equally as good as as they were, or are they missing something? Well, I've included them both in anyway, Entwistle and Bruce. Um, I don't know who, who the quote was from, but I've read somewhere it said every time he played a note on the bass, it sounded like a vicious storm coming over the horizon. Um, so, shall I give you my quote? Well, John, go on, was, tell. yeah, go on. Oh, okay, this is this is so one of my other bass players in if I may bring him in at the same time because it's pertinent. Yeah, definitely, a guy called Pino Palladino. Right, right, okay. okay. Could you stop a minute? Who the hell is Pino Palladino? Because I've seen him on all the lists. I've got no idea who he is. It sounds Pino like a Palladino horse. Pino Palladino started out in the in the late 70s, early 80s as a fretless bass player. And right. if you listen to a lot of that early 80s stuff, the Paul Young stuff, wherever I lay my hat, all that sort of stuff, there's this sweeping fretless bass sound that, that, that flies through the top of it. And it was very popular, very common, and it's Pino Palladino. Okay. Um, but he went on... Uh, he's still playing um, now because he's a kid, you know. Um, he's probably only 65 or so, you know. Mm. Um, uh, and he went on to play with the John Mayer trio. So he took up that... that. So the album that I, that I got you for Christmas... Yeah, yeah, the live album. The live album has got Pino Palladino playing bass. Oh, oh I, I really and, should read the cover. And, and, and he walked into this concept of I'm the bass player holding together this trio. Right, okay. To the point where John Nitwistle dies, okay? And Palladino gets a phone call two days later, or whatever it is, from the, the Who management to say, we're on tour, John's dead, will you play? So Palladino says, well, I, 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 you can't say no to that, can you? No. How can you say no to playing with the Who? So he speaks to... um to um, Pete Townsend and says, Pete, what do you want me to play? He says, I don't care what you play, but you've got to play it loud. <laughs> <laughs> Which goes Sounds back to right. what you said about Entwistle. Like, like, because like, it, it, the, the volume was there to mm. fill the gaps. 
But the other mm-hmm. interesting thing about Entwistle, and again, I didn't include him because I knew you'd talk about him, but the, the other interesting thing about him is that he invented the walking bass. So you've also got this kind of thing, or not, not only didn't invent it, but he kind of, he was the one who really... He mastered it within the pop culture. Yes, that's what, yeah, sorry. I mean, within the context of rock. Um, so so he was, I, I would have him as an innovator in that he used the style which was non-rock in a rock environment and and, and did it brilliantly. Whether he was loud or not was neither in or there. But it, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm interested in the technicality of, of that. Mm. So... Well, he certainly Entwistle was certainly he must have been developed um, as a sort of a counter or to complement, I should say, the the Entwistle, not Entwistle, sorry, uh, Townsend and Moon's flamboyance, and we won't mention Roger Daltrey as we try not to each week because he's a dick. <laughs> Apart from that, yeah, yeah, true. Um, so yeah, and allegedly, truly, no, not allegedly. No, no, there is plenty of evidence that he has joined the right said Fred, Matt Latissier, and Eric Clapton Club of Dickery, and Van Morrison, Dickery, dickery um, Duck, don't forget. <laughs> Dickery, Dickery Duck. <laughs> yeah, don't forget, don't forget Van. No, and Van. Well, yes, I like a bit of Van. Yeah, we all do. Yeah, we like some of them. Yeah, I like some of the new out. stuff, but yeah, yeah. They're, yeah, uh, we won't go down that route though. No. Um, yeah, treated the but I've got it in there. Treated the bass like a lead instrument, made it stand out as much as any guitar. Now, you see, I don't agree with that, and I think one of the reasons that Edwards was as good as he was was because he didn't do didn't that. do that. Okay, no, he, I agree. He, I he agree kept with you, the Jeff. Groove and he kept the rhythm. He did I agree with you. Uh, uh, but but actually, it, he one of the reasons that he's on my list is because he didn't do didn't that. do that. Okay. Yeah, I don't, you see, I, I, I've got, I would have Entwistle on my list as an anchor, not as an innovator or a virtuoso. Absolutely. He just, he holds the whole thing together in exactly the same He's way. The he is the glue in exactly the same way as the guys in the three pieces. And I've got two of them um, on my list that they do, they do the same. So absolutely. I agree with you. I think that's exactly what John Entwistle wasn't. Was uh, I mean, that, that sort of, solo in my generation for example that stands out for me uh must have inspired so many kids yeah to go and get a bass guitar yeah so it's so much so much there's nothing wrong with a bass solo as long as it's in the right place at the right time uh, and everyone else takes over the groove well okay so given that you've had about 10 each and i've only had two I probably stop pouting, Pete. Stop. Pouting. I'm not pouting. No, what I was going to say was I'm just going to pick up on that thing about the bass solo because there's a really interesting quote in in here for one of my others. Okay, so if, all right. So one of my other top four is um, Stanley Clark. Okay. Okay. So um, bass virtuoso, very much at the virtuoso end, real you know, big on his riffs and his grooves. Um, and he had a few tricks, um, not least of what, which was that his trademark was the finger strum. So that's that's how he played. So basically strumming without a plectrum. Um, there's a great quote, probably not the first bass player to record a side long bass solo on Return to Forever's 1978 live album. But perhaps the first to perform one you'd want to hear more than once. I just thought that was a great. I just thought that was a great quote. 
Um, well, thanks for not requesting that one this morning. Anyway. I'm, I'm going to do it tomorrow. Um, no, but this, so he's what? So he is referred to as quote unquote the first superstar of playing bass, and he revol and it says that he revolutionised the the low end for a, a wave of followers. Being a band leader, composing, touring, and a recording artist. So he was inspired by John Coltrane. Um, he took acoustic bass to a completely new level because he started as an upright bassist with Coltrane. Um, and then with the Coltrane thing and then with Jimi Hendrix kind of in the background, he innovated on the bass guitar via in a whole new level. But interesting, he also played bass guitar, tenor and piccolo versions um, of, uh, of the bass but he inspired a whole generation of bassists, um, you know, Dave Holland, Miroslav Vitus, Jaco Pastorius, Rick Laird with the Marvishna Orchestra. Um, and he kind of basically took the whole of that sort of um, 60s post-pop thing with arena scale rock. Um, and he, if you're going to pick, uh, Jaco Pastorius had, didn't have a long enough career to, for me, to, to put him in this in this bracket but um if you're going to have a, a fusion bass god it's going to be stanley clark um and you listen to some of his stuff on um some of his stuff on return to forever uh, especially romantic warrior it is astounding um so he was a very 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 easy pick for me in my in my top four okay dokey any comments on stanley clark there jeff Brilliant, great bass player. Okay, not in my top ten. No. <laughs> well, shall I throw in my? Shall yeah, I throw on, in the other on. one of my top on, four then? Yeah, go on. I've got. Let, I've got. Go on, let, us, let us all guess. <laughs> yeah, it's Chris Squire. You don't need to guess, but but I wouldn't put. I, I, I haven't put him number one. He would be four. If if I'm numbering these one through four, he would be number four. Um, but he is one of the ones who appears in every single list. So he's one of the six that appears in every single list, along with Stanley Clark, along with Charlie Mingus, along with John Entwistle, and along with Jaco Pastorius. And then one other who I wouldn't touch with the barge pole, but we might come to that later. Um, now, here's a quote. Rick Wakeman, I just thought I'd get me Rick Wakeman in there, Colin, because I thought you'd be upset if I didn't. Um, Always. Rick Wakeman said at the time of Chris Squire's death, he said, coupled with his, oh, Chris took the art of making a bass guitar into a lead instrument into another stratosphere. And coupled with his showmanship and concern for every single note he played, he was something special. We have now lost who, for me, are the two greatest bass players classic rock has ever seen, John Entwistle and Chris Squire. So he puts he puts the two of them together. Steve Howe says um, Squire's machine-like precision is part of the band's vibe. He thought outside the box. It was like he jumped over the fence and saw everything that we were doing from the other side. <laughs> so they're the quotes of the people who play with him. You know, I, when he when he first hit the FM airwaves with Yes in the very early 70s the quote I, mean, I think it was from rolling stone 
Um, listeners weren't even sure that they were hearing bass. He's zinging aggressive riffs on songs such as Roundabout, played on his Rickenbacker 1999, made for a completely new sound, especially since he used both the pick and round wounds. So again, a completely different, uh, a completely different way of playing. And what was really interesting is, and this comes back to the Paul McCartney thing, um, because all of his stuff is completely full of melody, melodic imagination. Um, and if you take a song like Roundabout, it he provides the melodic underpinning to the whole of the whole of that song. Um, it's it, it, the main instrumental hook is a bass hook, um, and then if I don't know if you're familiar with, I don't know whether you are Jeff or not, but um, on um, Tormato, the last track is called "On the Silent Wings of Freedom," and on that he plays wah wah bass, and it's absolutely amazing, and it, it it's a great kind of, you know, it's just a, again a completely different way of playing bass. I mean, I I love the guy, um, and uh, I'm me. Uh, Have you? Yeah. Oh, very good. So I was working in Redan. <laughs> I was working in Redan Recorders in Queensway back in 1980, whatever it was. And Queen and um, yes, we're recording in one studio. We were in the practicing in the other studio, and the Buggles were practicing in the other studio. As you um, did. And I and and that's when yes and the Buggles split and got together. Um, and I literally physically bumped into him. He's very tall. Yes, he was about. He was very, eight, very tall. Yeah, he's about six foot four or six foot five. Yeah, he was a big. He was a big lad. Um, Taller than you. But it's interesting because he he says. Well, he seemed he, it. Yeah. He <laughs> he said that he drew his inspiration from Jack Bruce, John Entwistle, and Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney, yeah, must be. Yeah, yeah. and um, and and that. And his his tone is very very melodic, and it, it, and what I like about him, apart from the fact that I'm a massive Yes fan, but what I like about him is that he when he but he changed because that if you take those kind of seventies classics like Close to the Edge and Awaken and Roundabout and all that, but then also things like Owner of a Lonely Heart and Changes and all of the stuff that was very more like eighties. You know, Colin, we've had this conversation before, haven't we? How Yes changed the same way Genesis did from being prog to being prog pop or prog, you know, rock pop. Rock, um, yeah. and um and 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 he made that move effortlessly you know he, he really he really did and it, it, the silent wings of freedom absolutely brilliant sorry who must remain nameless but that who pete and i both know and you might know colin i don't know mm-hmm. um worked with chris squire for a very short period of time on chris squire's wife's album mm-hmm. all right and in the end walked out because he said to me that he couldn't cope with spending three or four hours on a single note <laughs> because he was that obsessed with getting it right yeah getting the sound getting the texture getting the feel of that of, of a note that he would spend that long doing it um and and I kind of, and I'm not denying the fact that he was that he's a brilliant instrumentalist, but I don't think he's working Bill Haley in the comments, you know. Um, and I don't think he's working as, as a session musician because they no, just he's, wouldn't have him. But that's the but that's the same as the guys in Steely Dan. 
that's the whole steely dan thing yeah it is that's that fatal line do you yeah it is absolutely absolutely and everybody else i've chosen are people who are just basically well except the one are basically anchors you know they are the they're the guys who are just who hang the whole thing together but i couldn't have a conversation about basis without having those four because for me they're you know they're 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 the standout guys in the field so you're a big yes fan then pete you kept that one quiet (laughs) you know i not mentioned that before I'm not sure. I'll have to listen back to some of these podcasts. For the benefit of people people listening to this podcast for the first time, Colin (laughs) manages to get in a reference to the Beatles or Paul McCartney and very often the jam into every single podcast. And Gallagher and Lyle, of course. And Gallagher and Lyle, yeah. And my challenge, (laughs) no, really, Jeff, I mean, to the point where he wants Bernie Gallagher to come and do one of the podcasts. But anyway, that's another story. Gallagher and Lyle were brilliant. They were brilliant, yes, but, he, but they, to the they point... They wore their heart on their sleeve, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Right, okay. so, if, so let, let's just go where we are. So Pete, big yes fan. Colin, big Beatles fan. My default has always been Paul Simon. Okay? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So can I, can I throw into the mix a guy called Tony Levin? You can. Okay, so Tony Levin... Who is currently the longest serving bass player with King Crimson, which is no mean feat in itself, um, came to my attention as um, as a bass player for Paul Simon, um, with Steve Gadd on, on drums, Eric Gale on, on guitar, and Richard T on piano. Um, and he is very, very good, in my opinion, very, very good. Um, and and Probably most famous for being the bass player on Sledgehammer for Peter Gabriel. Oh, really? So you know that big, that huge, big bass? Yeah, player? huge bass. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's Tony Levin. He also plays what's called the Chapman Stick, which is uh, this little upright thing about, about Yay Big. You can't see that, can you? But, but <laughs> really? yeah, just a bit bigger than that. Um, no, well, I was getting slightly worried about where you were going with that one. <laughs> so just moving very you swiftly. Hang over your shoulder, <laughs> and it's got. 12 or 16 strings and it's ridiculous and the bass strings are in the middle so and you, you hammer with both hands um and it's a brilliant sound it's a really difficult technique um invented by a car called chapman not unsurprisingly um ernest eric something like that um but so tony levine just like top 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 bassist uh lovely sound lovely feel just like rolls things along where they should be, but playing with Robert Fripp, like you, you, you don't get a chance to be anything other than absolutely brilliant or slightly mm. manic. Yes, or both. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I hate to say to Pete, but I'm, I'm looking at his four that he's given us. Um, of the four that he's given us, I would probably rather listen to to Yes than the other three. Given, the, I mean, if you had to choose, if you had a gun to your head. Would you rather listen to Yes, Weather Report, Return to Forever, or Renaissance? Me? No, Jeff. Uh, sorry, uh, uh, Pete. Oh, well, uh, that depends entirely. Oh, on you as well. Depend, that would depend entirely on my mood. I, if in my list of prog bands, and obviously that's my favourite genre. Go to. Although no, symphonic rock is coming up behind it very fast. Um, but um, uh, Yes and Renaissance. I, I find very difficult to split. 
I, I, I love both of them and I've got most of their, uh, most of their stuff. So, um, but okay. I love weather report and I love return to forever and I play their stuff regularly. Um, you, I mean, Jeff, we had an interesting conversation, didn't we? Cause I lent you the entire Marvish and orchestra collection and you gave it back to me, having played it a few times and said, I really like it, but now I need to listen to something that I can actually get my head around what I'm hearing or vaguely words to that effect. I really like it, but what I need now is a melody. Yes, that's right. So I knew it was something along those lines. So, and, and I totally get that. And I, but again, I've got all the Marvishnu albums as well. So I love that jazz rock, but I love it because of the virtuosity. And we had the debate about, you know, the great guitarists. I would always put John McLaughlin. John McLaughlin, in, okay. Always. But, but, you know, you've got to be in the right mood. And so I'm yeah, more, I, in, I, I, I'm I in the right mood for... Sorry, say that again. I again. pick Weather Report out of those four every time. Yeah, okay. well, I mean, Weather Report, I mean, I've got four or five Weather Report albums. I play them regularly. I, I, you know, I, I, I love them. Mm. What, well, I'll get you to play some more on the show, Colin, because I, I think I think the listeners need to get more into Weather Report. Yeah. Or, or they'll text me, what the hell is this? What were you thinking, you stupid boy? <laughs> Right, what's your fifth one then? Otherwise, you need to catch up. Jeff's mentioned this guy before, um, but this is one of those ones who hangs together a three-piece. Um, and I've gone with Jerry McAvoy, who was um, Rory Gallagher's bassist. I've watched a lot of live Rory on YouTube in the last couple of weeks, just you know, watching stuff, just what you know, going down a rabbit hole of music videos. Um, so Rock Palast and various things uh, in the 70s. You know how much I love Rory Gallagher. He was way up near the top of my list of great guitarists. Um, but um, his entire recorded solo stuff was with Jerry McAvoy um, supporting him. But what the interesting thing, and Jeff, you might know a bit more about this than I do because you actually play the bass. But what um, what uh, what people say about Jerry McAvoy is that why, the reason he was so good as the foil for Rory Gallagher was that he played counterpoint melodies. So he's called a contrapuntal bassist. So his melodies, his chords and his counter rhythms underpinned Gallagher being able to do whatever the hell he liked with the guitar. So in other words, he was anchoring the melody. And if you take something like um, Bullfrog Blues or Tattooed Lady or um, Walk on Hot Coals, the, those ones that then got extended into kind of 15 minute jam sessions. He basically hung the whole thing together and left Rory Gallagher to do what he was liking over the top. Um, and I think what's really interesting to him, and I read a little bit about him. There's not much about him, but there, but there was some. And in his, in, in his youth, he kind of was brought up listening to Buddy Holly and the Beatles and the Stones. Um, but what changed his life was getting hold of a Muddy Waters album. And what he did was to play along to muddy waters and but first of all it, and he did that on a rhythm guitar what so he so he, he he played he played rhythm um and what was really interesting about it, and i didn't know this um he, he joined a band called deep joy playing basically motown and 60s pop covers um and when he was playing that he bumped into rory gallagher in london because taste had just broken up and he heard him play and he said come and come and join me uh, come and join me, and then obviously they recruited Wilbur Campbell, and that then became the um, that then became the Rory Gallagher band. But I just think I've I've watched him 
a lot in the last two weeks. And he just has got this thunderous bass sound, which just hangs the whole thing together. And I, I think, you know, of those kind of anchor men bassists, there's few better, in my opinion. Did you say that he played on the, was it Lydia, the tattooed lady from the Muppets? Was he on that as well? That <laughs> I don't think it was, but no, I don't think. On that version? I don't must think it a different was. version. No, I, I'm, I'm talking, yeah. I remember that I'm one. Going with this. Yeah, no, it wasn't. <laughs> Although, I mean, let's face it, the country's full of Muppets, so... Very true. And I still can't believe, he's a big fan of Rory Gallagher, you didn't have the Irish Tour 74 album in the Albums of 74 uh, podcast that we had a couple of weeks ago. Well, I know, but I missed off a lot of 1974 albums because I'm going to quote one of them in a minute. So, (laughs) Shall I put another one in then? Yeah, Uh, You're still behind us, I think, though. I mean, I've got a couple of... I'm just going to go for the one, changing the pace completely. One of my favourite bands, you know who I'm going to say, don't you, Jeff? Uh, uh, we're she, going status quo. We're going Alan Lancaster. Oh, Alan Lancaster. Lancaster. Superb. The, the the heavy part of status quo, and that they that was Alan Lancaster. I mean Rossi, lead, Parfit on the one of the greatest rhythm guitarists of all time, in my personal opinion. But Alan Lancaster oh. really underpinned it all. I mean, when you could tell the difference because they, they, when he left in 83, four time, uh, and he appeared in their, well, their first of the band, Status Quo is probably first of about 17 uh, last ever tours that they did. Um, I've been to at least three of those. (laughs) And they, uh, they carried on and they did go a little bit, a little bit poppy, rocky for for a long time. And then the Frantic Four, the four Rossi, Parfit, Coglin, and uh, Lancaster got back together again and did a mini tour. And we went to see them at Hammersmith Odeon. And it's so, so much heavier. Unbelievable sound. Choir always, I've seen them live more than anybody else, as Pete would no doubt. Um, this is what I mean. I don't think he was the same. He he didn't really get off on the uh, on the technical side of things. He just, no, he just... He just made it happen. He just... I think he just laid down probably some of the heaviest... Um, rock um, See, this is this is the argument for people like Iceland. people like Alan Lancaster I, I, I mean this guy's nowhere near my top 100 but no. you'd be but you'd struggle to 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 argue that Lemmy doesn't have a place because oh right okay Lemmy he used the bass like a weapon like it's yeah. a submachine gun and and like, yeah. that that's a style that that works Lemmy is it's in Mikey, but is in every Lemmy is in every single top 50 list yeah. of bassists. Uh, uh, within, within, within his thing, but Lancaster was the same. Like yeah. it's, it's almost like having a submachine gun underneath. Mm. Uh, and it just pushes the whole thing through. I just, lo- I just love their, uh, certainly their earlier sound, the heavier stuff yeah. that, that Lancaster was certainly involved in. Um, Lemmy, I did have Lemmy. I've got, I've got a list of so many down here. Lemmy was one of them, but I didn't include him in. One of the few, are there many... I suppose Jack Bruce was the lead vocalist, arguably, was he then in Korean? Phil Lynott's probably the famous one. Yeah, maybe, yeah. I've, got, an- of- I've got another one. Geddy Lee? Uh, no, no, right, okay. Um, Geddy Lee is the sixth one who is on every single list. I don't get that. And I absolutely... He rushed to get in there, you know. He did. And I absolutely cannot stand his voice. Oh, so okay. for that reason alone, I left him off the list. 
You don't he, like his voice, so we left him off the bass guitar list. I, I left him off the bass guitar list because his singing voice is shit. Yes. Okay. It, listen, well, I, I, need, hey, I needed sure a reason in. not to. I needed a reason not to include him. That was the. That was hey, the reason. Kate Bush, she wouldn't be in yeah. it then, would she? If she oh, played Kate the bass. Wouldn't be anywhere near it. Anyway. Right. So no Lemmy, no Geddy Lee, but they were two that I definitely would have looked at. I'm trying to think other bassist, real front Sting. Sting. Yeah. Sting's on every list. Sting, a lead singer and bassist. It's really hard to do. Yeah. So, like, absolute hats off. Phil Lynott did it absolutely perfectly. Sting did it mm. absolutely perfectly. McCartney did it absolutely perfectly. Yeah. Singing a melody while you're playing a bass line is really difficult. It is. I, 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 I can sing me. a bass line while I'm while I'm playing a bass. So when we when I when I play for the you know the stuff, it's it. I can do the I can do a bass harmony and play yeah. the bass line. But singing a singing a melody and playing a bass really hard to do. Yeah, I can All imagine. right. So on that basis, let me throw in one of my others then. Um, and this is this is Marco Hightower, and Marco Hightower is the bassist of Nightwish, or he was until the end of uh, last year. Um, but he also is the vocalist. So Floor Janssen is the lead vocalist. But Marco Hightower is the male vocalist. And in fact, he trained as a vocalist. So he's a vocalist, bassist and songwriter. Um, and it, so he was the, he's the composer of the Nightwish with Holopine and Thomas Holopine. And, um, but he was also vocalist and bassist and composer and lyricist with Tarot, with the Northern Kings, which is a metal supergroup. And he was in Arian's album in 2013, The Theory of Everything. But he, and what's really interesting is he states his biggest influence um, as a bassist, as Geezer Butler and Bob Daisley. And as a vocalist, Ronnie James Dio and Rob Halford from Judas Priest. Um, so. Um, I've never heard I, of Nightwish, so like, I, I believe you. Right, OK. So they're, they're my new favourite band. Um, and I saw them live. I saw them live at the OVO in November. They were fantastic. But anyway, so but what I love about him is that that so that Jeff, they're symphonic metal. So basically, they've got this enormous sound, an absolutely monumental sound with strings, with a full orchestra. Sometimes they use them live. Sometimes they just have them as um, a, on a click track. Thank yes, Colin. I'm gonna. Yeah, I put my hand up there. <laughs> You, you, know on, you know that on you know that on Zoom you can put up a little yellow hand and wave, don't you? <laughs> um, the the word I would use to describe, I think I've used it to describe them to Pete, is pompous. Pompous rock. It's yeah, quite, I, yeah, it's I pompous like... rock. It sounds to me like, as I've, again I've said this to Pete. Um, Pumps up Eurovision. It's it does. It sounds like the sort of Eurovision intermission act. Yeah. It is um, a really grand sound. No, say it isn't, but um, that, that's the sort of sound that it, it comes across to me as. Of, of all of the ones that you've mentioned so far, probably that's my least favourite. But I mean, it's yeah, it's so and, and I and I totally get that that bands like that absolutely divide listeners. You know, you, there's some bands which you go, yeah, I mean, Steely Dan. You know, we love Steely Dan because they're brilliant virtuoso musicians. Most people who listen to Steely Dan and go, yeah, those songs are nice. Mm. So they wouldn't they wouldn't divide an audience. And, and But there's some bands that do. So like Motorhead, I absolutely cannot stand. And I would 
there's nothing about them that I like. I recognise Levy's role in, you know, rock and roll iconography. But there's loads of people who go to the grave saying that, you know, they're one of the greatest rock bands ever. I don't get that. I totally understand that bands like Nightwish, Within Temptation, Epica, all of those bands who are these massive, massive sounds. I love it because for me, it's kind of like prog but in the virtuosity, but in a different way. But in order to have that, you have to have a bass player who can anchor everything else that's going on. And in Nightwish cases, you've got this brilliant female vocalist. You've got, you know, the guy who's referred to as Metal Mozart as the as the as the keyboard player who writes everything. You've got a lead guitarist. You've got a, an amazing drummer. You've got the the guy who plays acoustic and rhythm, and then every other instrument under the sun. Somewhere down the line, you've got to have somebody who hangs all of that together and marco hightower does that brilliantly and the new guy who you know because he left during covid uh, the new guy who is the guy i saw when i saw them at the ovo he's very good but he ain't marco hightower so uh, one day jeff when we've got a few minutes i'll play your ghost love score because that's it's pretty bloody epic can't wait don't, don't answer the door jeff me. don't answer the door <laughs> yes anyway no, so no. yes so so he's completely different sound, but I've I couldn't I've never I'd never heard of him. I'll be honest, I've never heard of him at all. Uh, I have heard of Nightwish. So, um, right, how's the time doing? We've got a little bit of time. So, um, shall we? Let's throw some other names in then, because you probably could. We could we could be here all night probably talking about these. Let me chuck another one in that you were talking about. Andy Fraser. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. From free. Sixteen-year-old genius. Way underrated. Beautiful sound, fantastic melody um, bass player, um, and up there with with the ability of of Roger's voice and Kossoff's guitar. Yeah, agree. And he had his own band, the Andy Fraser Band, who played at Hull University Union. In fact, possibly you might have been there. But uh, anyway, yes, after. And he died. I was going to play... I was going to play all right now tomorrow on the show, actually, because he died in 2015 on the 16th of March. Then you should play it. Or Mr. Mr. Big was his other one. I think that was the other one that it was his. That was his song. Yeah, Mr. Big was his. But we he was the uh, he was the bass guitarist when we went to the Marshall um, 50 Years of Loud gig. Anyone I've got to throw in? I'm sure I've, that I've still got another four. I'm I'm rocking. And then you tell us some. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Uh, We've all got loads, I think. Um, okay. Let's so, some more in quickly. We can get through um, these. All right. I'm going to throw in Any another comments? one. Who's, I've got a couple more rockers, but I'm going to throw in another one on the jazzy end of things, or more jazzy, and that's Doug Rauch, who was Santana's bassist, and he was the bassist on Caravan Sarai, Love, Devotion and Surrender with John McLaughlin, um, Welcome and Lotus, um, but he also played with Billy Cobham and George Duke in their band. He played on Billy Cobham's Life and Times. He was on Diamond Dogs, the tour for Bowie. Um, he was the bassist on Cracked Actor. Um, Fender Precision, Fender Jazz Bassist, died of a heroin overdose very, very young, um, very sadly. But he was the one who played this very funky double thumb technique in the 70s and he's he, he's rhythmic 
precision. I mean, Jeff, you know Welcome pretty well, don't you? If you listen to you listen to Welcome, you listen to Caravan Sarai. Um, he and the uh, the actual song on Caravan Sarai, "Look Up to See What's Coming Down," um, is a really good example of his um, of his playing. And he he has this kind of two finger right hand technique during his Santana years, but then he uses the double thumb style later on when he's doing the stuff with um, Lenny White and Billy Cobham and George Duke. So, um, and again, it's taken far too young, but uh, an absolutely fantastic bass guitarist. So couldn't couldn't have a list without him in there. Okay. And another one? Go on. um, well, okay, I've got, uh, what have I got there? Three. Um, so I've got, um, well, Jeff's already mentioned him, Noel Redding. Jimmy okay, Hendrix. Jimi Hendrix, yeah. Um, so, um, you know, he played on... Why don't well, we it, change genre for a second? Why don't we chuck in Aston Family Man Barrett? Right, he's on my reserve list. Yeah, brilliant. The Whalers, like the Whalers bass player. Yeah, like they, they don't they don't come any better if you're doing the reggae style. No, they and, don't. And the Upsetters was it? Was he the Upsetters as well? Uh I don't know. Yeah, I think he might have been. Lee Perry's uh, the Upsetters, I think. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. He was, but I mean, he's. Okay. I think the world of bass guitar would be a lot worse without the kind of groove on Trenchtown Rock. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it, it absolutely, absolutely brilliant. So I, I had Noel Redding on my list. Yep. And again, he's, his style is very much um, pick driven. He used the pick, a lot of that kind of middle range, trebly sound, lots of fuzz, lots of distortion, which you had to do if you're playing in Hendrix. Um, and he was on... The, the three studios wasn't the are you experienced axis boulders love and electric lady this gives you a click that you don't get off your fingers i can't play with a pick personally but like it's it, it's you get a click which you don't get um with a with a with your well fingers. marco hightower plays with a pick as well that's you know that, that, that's another one of his in. um we haven't mentioned um john paul jones no that's my that's my next one but yeah okay. john paul jones. You, all right you go you go with john paul jones then well because there's a couple of interesting things about him well, I don't know. I mean, you, we can any one of us can uh, can talk about him. Again, he played as as a session musician, didn't he? Played with yeah. um, various people: Donovan, Jeff Beck, uh, Dusty Springfield, you name it. Um, and he did, 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 even arranged the strings, apparently, for the Stone Scissor Rainbow. Did you know that? No, but he's a brilliant musician, so not a surprise. Um, one of the there's a few jazz solos that I noted, and one I don't know whether would you say can't find it now. I'm trying to think which one it was. I think it was Lemon Song. Yeah, Lemon Song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, quite. Um, yeah, there's a lot of bass going on on that one. Well, it, uh, it, that, that, it, that's rec- I, I, when I was reading around about him. There's a quote on here. Um, says um, da, 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 da. the Lemon Song from 1969 is a masterwork blues that every develop every developing bassist should try to transcribe or learn, preferably both. Mm. Which I, you know, which is interesting. The the interesting thing I found I don't know what, what whether you saw this as well, but obviously he was the driving force behind Black Dog and Misty Mountain Hop. That's why I got you to play Black Dog this morning. Oh no, I did. We did uh, no call. Uh, no ramble on. Yeah, so yeah, the, so the interesting thing about that is that um, he um, he was referred to as Led Zepp's secret weapon um, because he, he had a love of very odd time signatures and weird harmonies that kind of were 
kind of felt like they didn't fit. And apparently the reason for that, when I love this story, um, the Black Dog riff was his attempt to trip up fans who would dance at the concerts. So he did. they didn't want people to dance. <laughs> so they wrote, they wrote Black Dog so they couldn't. Um, and the same with Ramble On. And if you think about Ramble On, the way it goes, you go, bum, 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 dun, dun, dun. And it's kind of like the way it plays, you think you couldn't dance to that because you'd have to stop every two seconds. So um, I just thought that was quite a fun story. He's still alive, isn't he, John Paul Jones? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is, yeah. <laughs> touch judging John Paul Jones, he says he died in... July 18th, 1792. Well, I think, <laughs> I think there might be a, a, a no. Scottish naval catcher. <laughs> I know they've been around a while, but not as long as state as quite. Well, what, admittedly. What's he come back to us you could do after, in that time? <laughs> yes. I think one of the interesting things, so one of the interesting things, I, the other things I read was that, you know, a lot of people said that, you know, although the kind of page and plant reunions were good and, you know, No Quarters, a terrific uh, um, unplugged album, um, that it, it wasn't the same because it was John Paul Jones that held it all together, which kind of underlines the point you've made, Jeff, about having to have that bass sound to I'm fill it. Yeah. yeah. Why don't we chuck in just quickly? Why don't we chuck in Herbie Flowers for a second? Okay. Sky, meh, but walk on the wild side. Do you get any better as an opening riff? No. Like, oh, um, did he play on Walk on the Wild Side? He wrote the, you know, wrote the opening riff. Did he? Doom, doom, yeah. doom. There isn't a person in the pop industry that doesn't recognise it. No, no, absolutely right. I didn't realise that was him. No one, no one knows it's Herbie Flowers. So who else did he play 30 quid or something for it? Who else did he play with? Sky. Oh, Sky. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, yeah. okay. You know, no, like, okay, they did okay. Can I check one other person before I forget? Absolutely. You might not. There's a guy called Joe Osborne. Uh, Joe Osborne was the premier bass player in the LA Wrecking Crew for nearly 20 years. Um, Did he invent biscuits trouble. as well? Yeah. Bridge Over Trouble Water, uh, Ventura Highway, America. Oh, um, brilliant. Sir. Troubadour, JJ Cole, uh, JJ um, Kale. Um, my favourite. The Carpenter's Jambalaya. I don't know if you know that baseline in that. Um, Colin is a massive. Uh, Colin's a massive Carpenter's fan. Oh well, I definitely know the song. Um, and it and it's just like wow. Uh, but like the loads you can go on and on. Uh, Adorning the Aquarius played the bass on that. Um, what from Godspell? No, from um, from, um here. Yeah. From here. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he played um, Comes a Time from Neil Young. Um, so like all that sort of stuff, and you just go. These guys just sat in a studio and were told, here's a song play, you know? Um, so, yeah, Joe Osborne. Okay. Make, make a note of the name. I've got uh, I've got just one more on my list because we've covered the ones that were on the um, on the, the extras list now that you've mentioned Aston Family Man Barrett. Um, yeah. I've, um, I've got Bert Ryder, who is actually Bert Reuter, um, but apparently Reuter in in um, Dutch is Ryder. I know this because I read the Dutch entry um, on Wikipedia, uh, which was quite an interesting challenge because my Dutch isn't the best. Um, but anyway, so... Um, he, he Let was me guess, the, uh, Focus. Yes, he was the... But he, it's interesting because he's the bass guitarist on Focus 3, um, uh, Hamburger Concerto and Mother Focus. And uh, he wrote a significant amount of the songs on Mother Focus. 
Um, and he took over from Cyril Haverman's After Moving Waves. So he's on Live at the Rainbow playing the Moving Waves set and then um, is, is, recording, um, is recording Focus 3. Um, but I think um, what I love about him is, um, uh, it, and it, you know, he stayed with them until the band broke up the first time around. Um, but he composed answers, questions, questions, answers on Focus 3. Um, and um, he does this brilliant version of Eruption on the Live at the Rainbow set. But And, and I played it today just to check how good it was. His bass sound on Hamburger Concerto is absolutely monumental. So you, it doesn't matter, not the first track, which is kind of just like a little kind of harpsichord piece, but all of the rest of the of side one. It, I, and I, what I did was I turned the bass volume up slightly on my very loud hi-fi so that I could just make sure that I wasn't imagining all of this. But he's but his birth, he's playing on birth and on harem scarum, but then on particularly on the Hamburg concerto piece, which is the whole aside too. If you listen to that and you just, and I don't, I mean, I'm assuming you can do this, Jeff, but if I listen to something like that and I just say, right, I want to listen to the bass, I just home in on the bass and I just block everything out and just listen to the bass. And I can, I do the same with the voice and the, 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 the guitars and everything else. But if you listen to his bass guitar on Hamburg concerto, it's, just brilliant and, and it's virtuoso playing but it doesn't get in the way of the piece in other words it, it hangs it all together and it's very very clever bass guitar but it doesn't get in the way and it doesn't make it sound like he's trying to take over the piece i mean they were a brilliant band but he it, it's, it's really really cleverly done sadly he died in march 2022 of esophageal cancer uh, which i didn't know but um so uh, um, yeah i got I couldn't have. Colin, we've yes. been terribly sexist here. Mm. And we really need, before you stop us, we really need to throw in a couple of ladies just to, to balance well, life out. I've got a lady. <laughs> I've got a lady here. It's <laughs> not, not, um, again, probably just from my era of the 70s, maybe not a proficient bass player. But oh, Susie, Susie Quattro. Susie Quattro. Yes. Brilliant. Now, you've only chosen Susie Quattro, so you can tell Jeff the Susie Quattro story. Tell him well, the Susie Quattro story. See, well, no, I have. I don't like to brag. I don't yes, like... I'm not okay. a kiss and tell. I'm not a kiss and tell man, but I have shared a jacuzzi with Susie Quattro. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. But you can't say that no. about Squire people. No, absolutely no. not. <laughs> <laughs> I know what I want to. No, indeed, because he'd take up the whole jacuzzi. Um, <laughs> he was really good at what she did. Yeah, like like she she was a, a an absolute powerful for what she did. I think. Yeah, yeah, some some pop, great pop, pop bass. singles. Yeah, pop bass, and again the front person of the band. Yeah, um, and what's the other one? The other thing you got one. I'm t- Tina Weymouth. I've, I've talking Carol about Kay. Who Carol was, Kay. Who was part yes, of the Carol Kay is on every list as well. Okay, so she was the Beach Boys bass player basically. Uh, and also she played in La Bamba and things like that. So, so she's there. And the other one who I think should be up there or thereabouts is Tina Weymouth. Yeah, I just said Tina Weymouth, yeah, from Talking Heads. Like Talking Heads. Yeah. yeah. But, so um, hang on. So who was, the, but who's the female bass guitarist from Sonic Youth? Because oh. she's on all the lists as well. Is 
Is that no? That's not Esper. Um, I can't remember. I know you mean. I can't remember what name. She, uh, she's on. She's on all of the lists as well. But Tina Weymouth is is right up there in the top ten on all of the lists. Well, I mean, Carol Kay is, is, is probably pioneered its stuff that, that because she was working with Wilson and, and people like that, yeah. who were just like extraordinary musicians, bonkers, but extraordinary musicians. <laughs> but 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 she has to be there and able, and she was, you know. And, and at that time, for, within the industry, there probably weren't that many women doing it. No, uh, but a, a bit of a a bit of a um, uh, a leader, really, from that perspective. Mm. Who was the bassist with um, the Runaways? Absolutely no idea at all. Well, well, it wasn't Joan Jett, was it? No, it wasn't Joan Jett. They've got a really, they've got a really. If you listen to their stuff, they've got a really good bass sound as well. I just, I can't. Curry, is it? Is it it Cherry Curry? Maybe she was. Maybe she was was a singer. No, I just. uh, Whenever we finish this, there will be millions that we've left out. Oh, absolutely. Who, who should be there? You know, like Bernard Edwards from Chic. Like, yeah, I got Bernard Edwards written down, and rightly so. The guy was a, was well. What about um? What about Alfonso Johnson? Oh, sorry, Louis Johnson. Louis Johnson. From the brothers from yeah. the brothers Johnson. Well, he's not did. Just like, like Billy Jean, like the the the, the lick at the, the, the yeah, place yeah, Billy he, Jean. Well, he, he did he did thriller, the whole thing first. He did thriller and off the wall. And of course, the brothers, all the brothers Johnson stuff, because he yeah. was one of the brothers Johnson. So you want to stop, but yeah, it's just uh, wherever you stop, wherever you stop, it's good. Leyland Scar, you know, like James Taylor's bass player. Um, what is like, your view of? I've got a couple of other names. I'll just throw in quickly. Then we talk about that slap bass technique. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of them in the eighties, actually. But Level Forty Two, Mark yeah, King, Mark, yeah, Mark King. Brilliant. Yeah, great Absolutely bass guitarist. Brilliant. It wasn't often, that, again, as a bass guitarist was like the main man of the band. And he was, and he was a singer as well. He was. It's the fact that he looked a complete dick when he played it. Because he played it up here. But, but actually, to, for what he was doing, it was quite necessary. But it made it look like he was, like, doing it all wrong. Yeah. But he was a fantastic bass player. What about John Deacon? No, it's Queen. I've got to be honest here. I'm not a big Queen fan. In fact, I'm a big not Queen fan. Um, Are you spotting a a trend here, Colin? I'm spotting spotting a Willis Willis trend here. Oh, really? Every time Queen get mentioned, I batter them. Listen, they're a good band. No doubt Mercury was a fantastic front man. And John Deacon is a good bass player. He does what Chuck Rainey did. Uh, it does as well. He uses the whole fret for for influence. So he'll play he'll play something down here, and then he'll he'll play exactly the same but up uh, up, up the top, and it just gives it a colour that you don't get otherwise. Um, and that's that's good technique. Um, so yeah, good good bass player, but. Yeah, not, not my cat the fish particularly. Not your, yeah, okay. Now, now Peter's not a great fan. Along with Kate Bush and oh, Madness, Madness, Kate Bush, <laughs> Madness and Queen are the three uh, anti-Pete's. Yes. <laughs> um, but, yeah, you, you're not lucky. I, I, I like a lot of the Queen stuff. Um, but I, I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't say I'm a massive fan, but I do love. I do love a bit of the Queen, particularly the earlier stuff. Actually, the early I stuff I, I I prefer. When the they were more stuff, of a rock band. This conversation, the early stuff I can tolerate. Um, yes. What about but, Bruce Foxman? 
Well, that's another one on my list here, Bruce Foster. We're we talking the jam. Yeah, we're talking the jam. We're talking like again, Green, the Green, like 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 he was he, a superb bass player, way way under underrated as a bass player. Mm. Yeah, yeah well, I've got most most of the plaudits, obviously, but yeah, the three of them. Yeah, well, that, and again, you've got you've got the three piece. You, you've got to have a decent bass player. You've got to. Um, why I, I will never play in the three piece band. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> you need a bit. You need to be in a jazz fusion orchestra where you can bury yourself somewhere at the back. A couple of bass solos I haven't. Well, cross. I've written Crossroads Cream, but we've done Jack Bruce, haven't we? Um, another one I don't. Whether we you, we haven't discussed is Duff McCagan from uh, Guns and Roses. He's on some lists, not on all of them. I mean, Paradise City. And another one maybe that isn't on any list is Mike Durnt, Green Day. Green Day. Now, their song, Welcome to Paradise, has is really led led by the bass, particularly. Yeah. I say a bass solo, it's more like a bridge. But yeah. it, it sort of, um, it certainly improves the uh, sound uh, and, and effect uh, of, of the Green song. Day one of those bands that you have to say you like and then run away? <laughs> well, you mean it's not fashionable to like them? I've I've got I'm thinking got of Coldplay, not Green I've, Day. No, I've got a Green Day live album. Have you now? Yeah, bullet, bullet in the Bible, bullet in the Bible. Yeah, yes, it's a great it's a album. It was recorded at the Milton Keynes Bowl. It's it? uh, yeah, it's a terrific album. I like Green Day. I think you know some of their songs are real sing along, catchy, kind of post punk rock. But I mean, I wouldn't. Yeah, no, here is. Have you got Flea on your list? I, it's on a it's on a long list, but yeah, I I can't stand the Chili Peppers, and and I'm not a fan of Flea, but he's on every single list he's as well. He's a very good bass player, very very good bass player. But and the problem with all of these things is that you get coloured, as Colin said right at the beginning, you get coloured by what you like. Yeah. So, so all like, I mean, I, I really like country music as you as you Pete know and I and I really like jazz music um and and so I, I will err that way um mm. because because it makes me feel the way I want it to, I want to feel and the bass the bass does that. It doesn't stop you respecting someone like Lemmy who I think is a dick uh, but but he's but he played what he played uh, and he played it really well you know uh, and Deacon he's the same he plays what he plays and he plays it really well. Um, and the fact that I don't like it doesn't mean it, it's not good. Um, he certainly was one of the, the overlooked on the side sort of members, wasn't he? I mean, after they, he just quit, didn't he, in the end? When, yeah, when Freddie Mercury went. Left the music industry yeah. completely. Has left the music industry fair play to him. But he's probably he's probably pocketing in the, uh, the royalties, though, I suspect. Um, I'm surprised Geezer Butler or Geddy Lee didn't get more of a shout, to be honest. But... Um, well, the thing with... I'm not a massive... I've, I've got Black Sabbath's greatest hits... I appreciate their well done. <laughs> I appreciate their seminal role in the you know in heavy metal. I mean, if there'd been no Sabbath, there would have been no Iron Maiden or anybody else. Um, so I think you know, and and I and I recognise, yeah, and the Geezer Butler's on most of the lists as well. It's just, but as Jeff said, I'm not big enough of a fan to go. Yeah, I'd include Geezer Butler. I've got a couple of Rush albums, but I've got them because I feel like I ought to because I'm building a vinyl collection rather than ones that I will listen to regularly because I don't particularly like them all that much. 
and that colours my impression of Geddy Lee. Plus, he can't sing. His voice it's, is awful. It's definitely the voice uh, does split. Uh, oh, many it's, people. It's, I've it's, just it's, run it. Graham. Graham. Yeah, he's going to have to let that one go. Yeah. Sorry. He hasn't let Kate Bush go for a while. Well, <laughs> not in that way. Um, uh, bass players, Gra- Graham's given us a few. Uh, I think we've mentioned all of them. Uh, you know, Paul McCartney, John Paul Jones, John Entwistle, Jack Bruce. Jacko Pastorius, James Jameson, Chris Squire. Oh, here's one that we haven't mentioned. Phil Lesh from the That's Grateful Dead, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He's on all of the lists as well. Yeah. yeah. Very, uh, very, Bootsy, very Bootsy Collins, who Bootsy we Collins, gave yeah, a mention yeah, to Collins earlier. Aston, Aston Barrett. Yeah. He's a butler. And Dave Holland, the other ones you mentioned. Yeah. So uh, there's there's Larry Graham from Sly and the Family Stone, like great. Yeah, he's on most of the lists as well. Um, yeah. Oh, there are millions, as we know. Uh, we can- Nathan, Have we got a list from Barbie? Nathan Watts. Like, what about Nathan Watts? Who's Stevie Wonder's bass player? Like, I thought it was David Watts. No, no, that's, yeah. I feel like David Yeah, that'll be the jam. As uh, a sting, we have mentioned him. We John McVie, we mentioned him. Yeah, well, in passing. In passing. Um, Peter Hook, New Order, and uh, the like. Any? Yeah. Uh, what about Rutherford? Mike Rutherford. <laughs> not not a great well, bassist. No, you see, I, I not, think not a great anything, in my opinion. Well, I think it's <laughs> interesting because I think I, I mean I love Genesis or early Genesis, but I think he's the weak link. He, he, well, he's the one. Early I Genesis is only good because of Peter Gabriel. Once Peter Gabriel went, it all went tits up. Yeah, yeah well, Peter, no, I don't think that's not entirely fair because Peter Gabriel plus um, uh, Steve Hackett, I think they're the two who, for me, are the sound of Genesis. And yet they obviously became incredibly more successful after Peter Gabriel had gone. They did. They did. But that's uh, they morphed Rick, into a pop band. Rick Danko. The band. The band, yeah. Yeah, of course, yeah. yeah These yeah. are just long, long lists of names I've written down here. Um, Noel Redding, we've done him. Willie Dixon, uh, who's sorry? Willie Dixon, got him. Willie Dixon, yeah, he was on a list. Was, yeah, he was on a Willie long Dixon list. Was, I had. was Muddy Waters' um, bass player for a long time. Yeah, upright was. bass, wasn't he? Bo, upright Bo, bass. Bo Diddley and and uh, all, all that lot. Good bass player. And he, I don't know whether he played. He certainly. Yeah, he joined chess records with people like Jack Berry and um, uh, Howling Wolf, Bo Diddley et al. Um, I think that's probably the long list of names. I don't think any others. I've got oh, Cliff Burton, I've written brackets Metallica. Bill Wyman, we haven't mentioned. Yeah, there's a reason for that. Okay, fair enough. And <laughs> another another in the, uh, maybe in the Van Morrison, Eric Clapton mould. Uh, Roger not Waters. Not Are we talking about the basis of right said Fred? Roger Waters. Uh yeah, complete dick. Dick <laughs> Dickery Duck. Dickery, I mean literally the dick of dicks currently. Because he's supporting <laughs> Russia. Don't start me on that one. I've written Chris White down here. Is that that's presumably he's just, um is that the zombies guy? I think he's Chris White. Anyway. All right, fair enough. Well, shall we leave it there then? I think we better. Uh, we've, we've rabbited on long enough. We could come back for a part two at this rate. <laughs> um, yeah, it's been fun. I've learned a little bit. 
I might have to listen to some of this um, stuff that Pete's mentioned. And, uh, <laughs> you really don't have to. No, <laughs> no, you really not. do. Oh, we do. It's the whole point of your life will be enhanced if you don't. No, you stop talking bollocks. The whole point of doing something like this is to listen to stuff that you wouldn't normally listen to. Yeah, and you normally request them in the mornings on the radio show. So oh, uh, you'll be getting a whole raft of the oh, people no. I didn't request this morning. Okay. <laughs> I'm off. You haven't given me any songs for tomorrow yet, so this will be no, good I for me. I, to squeeze them in. To I, to I said to someone, I, I said, said to someone, oh yeah, you can. I've got I've got room. You can give us a you know a, a, a three songs, and they did, uh, and one of them was Stairway to Heaven. So I've got to squeeze <laughs> I've got to squeeze that one in somewhere, like seven and a half minutes or whatever it is. Um, tomorrow morning on CBW Radio, eight a.m. to twelve noon every weekday morning. You're here, myself, Big C. Thank you very much, Jeff. It's been a pleasure, sir. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. Good, and I, we've we've learned something from you. Which is which is good, and get a little bit a little bit of expertise, certainly more than from myself, and <laughs> even from Stinky Pete. Um, now, thank you very much, Pete, for uh, your input as well. This podcast will be posted to the usual fora over the weekend by Shaggy. Uh, that'll be a Spotify, uh, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, uh, Anchor. Al again. I'm using that Latin again. Our Buckers Hill educated Latin there, um, and uh, yeah, and of course, eventually we will hundred percent definitely be one day on the BBC. Yes, Unlike Gary Lineker and hopefully Fiona Bruce. <laughs> yeah, well, Gary Lineker's back, isn't he? Yes, yes, he is. <laughs> Thank God for the bomb. Fiona uh, Bruce. Fiona Bruce, yeah. What was all that about? Don't, don't start me. No, no. Do Stanley Johnson. Stanley Johnson. Allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. it was only once he hit his wife and exactly. gave a broken nose. How many more times you need to do it? Exactly. Like, you do it once, and most most of these domestic abusers think, yeah, what? Well, yeah, that wasn't a good thing, was it? I won't <laughs> do that again. Yeah. I, very well. Yes. Right. Thank you very much. We'll be back next week at the earlier time again as, as tonight, which will be 9 p.m. UK time. Uh, still 5 p.m. Eastern uh, until the hour British summertime comes in on the last Sunday of the month. Then we'll be back to normal at 10 p.m. Which is quite nice. Yeah, ending a little bit earlier. For us, anyway. Not for Shaggy. Um, so, in the meantime, all I've got to say is. Good night from me. It's good night from him. And it's good night from them. Thank you very much. Not off. Not off. <laughs> <laughs>